while Freddy Krueger is one of the most notorious horror movie villains, many are not aware he was inspired by real-life deaths that remain unexplained. We're talking about the Hmong Nightmare Deaths, and this is Legends from the Pacific. Aloha, and thank you for joining us. This is your podcast about Asian and Pacific Islander folklore and cultural history, Legends from the Pacific. Welcome to your episode 152, The Hmong Nightmare Deaths and Freddy Krueger. I am Kamuela Kaneshiro, a native Hawaiian professional writer, speaker, and Comic-Con panelist with extensive film and television experience. I study mythology, I've encountered unusual things, and I'm a geek. In the beginning, there was the Pacific Ocean. A canoe broke the horizon, piloted by Pele, a beautiful Polynesian maiden who dominated the waves until she felt safe to stop. The audiobook of our Legends from the Pacific Book 1 is now available, narrated by multi-award-winning voice actress Emily Wu Zeller. Emily has worked on anime, the video game Cyberpunk 2077, and over 500 audiobooks including Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back from a certain point of view. Just click the link in our show notes to purchase our audiobook and enjoy Emily telling our stories today. My apologies, it took me a while to get this episode to you. For some reason, our last few episodes have been more research intensive than usual. And while I thought our last episode was bad, this episode was ridiculous. So while this episode was supposed to be another Halloween special, it became your Halloween, Veterans Day, and Thanksgiving special. Nonetheless, thank you very much for bearing with me in getting your episode to you. I deeply respect your patience, as well as your continued support of our show and its mission of spreading Asian and Pacific Islander cultural awareness, which I'm thankful you are a part of. Later in this episode, your holiday board recommendation, featured song, and Hawaiian word, but first, let me share with you the origins of a nightmare. As usual, I apologize for any mispronounced names or words and appreciate your understanding. Because who would have known talking positively about cultures and sharing it with others would upset people? While the Hmong and Laotian Americans experienced fatalities in America during the 80s, we need to go further back to understand their culture. The Hmong have a rich culture that spans over 4,000 years. They settled in China before most cultures, then in the early 1800s, The Qing Dynasty, also known as the Manchu Dynasty, waged war on them. Instead of staying in China and abandoning their shamanistic culture, the Hmong migrated to nearby areas like Laos, Vietnam, Thailand, and Burma. But many Hmong were discriminated in their new countries. This whole thing of Hmong leaving China contributed to them getting their name since Hmong means free people. On a national level, the next hundred years saw tension growing in neighboring countries, resulting in the Vietnam conflict and secret war. The secret war, that is the non-Marvel secret war, involved the CIA backing and training a Hmong army, which frighteningly included children's soldiers. Hmong troops fought the Viet Cong, and it was believed for every Viet Cong eliminated, they saved one American service member. But the secret war was very bloody, and the Hmong witnessed the deaths of friends, family, and children. 
When America started exiting the Vietnam War, the Hmong faced surrendering to re-education camps or fleeing. Now, re-education camps inflicted physical and psychological torture. Survivors reported being abused with various weapons and subjected to games similar to Russian roulette at all hours. Those who fled crossed the country to Thailand refugee camps. They were hunted, experienced hunger and disease, then had to cross the treacherous two-mile-wide Mekong River. Many didn't know how to swim. They also carried infants whose cry could give away their position in the heavily enemy-occupied area. They crossed at night. Bamboo provided little flotation, and opium was given to infants. While on the other side, some infants woke, and some didn't. At the refugee camp, while America and its allies were deciding where the Hmong would go, the refugees lived in harsh conditions. Water was undrinkable, and one death a day became common. Eventually, Hmong went to Australia, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and big cities like Buffalo, LA, or San Diego. So after years of fighting in a country that discriminated against them, trekking cross-country, then surviving unlivable refugee camp conditions, the Hmong needed to quickly adapt to living in America during the early 80s. For the record, the Hmong didn't understand English, American customs, or culture. They also arrived during a time when the country wasn't really known for being culturally respectful. For the most part, I'm sure Hmong were just seen as Asians or Orientals, and America just lost a war to Asians. Needless to say, the Hmong were resented and couldn't get jobs. They relied on government assistance, which caused two issues. First, Hmong believe men provide for their family. So, relying on government assistance made men feel less than their worth. Along with cultural differences, Dr. Shelley R. Adler suggested survivor's guilt was a factor. This was confirmed by scholars Tobin and Friedman, who studied World War II Holocaust survivors and applied their findings to Hmong refugees. Their findings included Hmong men confessing they should have fought harder and died in Laos. Another didn't understand why he was alive when better men died. The second issue of Hmong relying on government assistance was a hatred from others on assistance. You see, there are those who believed more people on the program, which had dwindling resources, meant less money to them. So, it was reported these groups, which included minorities, assaulted Hmong refugees. Because the Hmong didn't know English and government assistance dynamics, they probably didn't know why these people on government assistance assaulted them. Needless to say, the Hmong struggled in America. Scholars reported that 20 Hmong relatives shared a three-bedroom San Diego residence. Once again, that's 20 people in three bedrooms. Desperate to adapt and find acceptance, some Hmong converted to Christianity. Please remember this aspect. So all this weighed upon the Hmong men, who looked to sleep for a restful escape. But this was a fatal error. Reports claimed a man's scream woke his household. They tried to wake him, but he was dead. Another man, fearing he'd die if he went to sleep, stayed awake for a few days until falling asleep. His scream woke his family. They tried waking him, but he was dead. More deaths followed. The victims were refugee men who'd scream, then die in their sleep. They ranged from 19 to 57. 
the median age was 33. All were healthy. Their diet was traditionally low-fat, and they were in America for less than two years. Reports at the time called this the Oriental or Asian Death Syndrome, but another name for these deaths was Sudden Unexplained Nocturnal Death Syndrome, or SUNS. The Center for Disease Control looked into this, and Dr. Roy Barron claimed virtually all deaths he investigated were peaceful and claimed anyone dying from a nightmare was inconceivable. This diverted government research and funding from SUNS, which may have provided better medical investigation and insight into early understanding of things like post-traumatic stress disorder. But scholars stated dismissing the deaths fueled the belief that Asians were frail people who couldn't handle relocating to a new country. Culturally speaking, the Hmong, like other cultures, had stories of an old hag or nightmare-like creature called the Suam, or Dab Tsog, who'd sit on the chest or strangle a sleeper experiencing night terror or sleep paralysis. Hmong avoided this by not sleeping immediately after a large meal or after drinking a lot of alcohol, and avoided sleeping on their back. They also believed deep sleep was bad, causing men to set 20 or 30 minute alarms adding to their fatal sleep deprivation. I couldn't find if this was before the nocturnal deaths occurred, but it is likely more would have practiced this once the deaths occurred. Now, some may wonder if this was genetic. Dr. Frederick Eckner found all the victims he studied had slightly enlarged hearts with 17 defects in the conductive system. Dr. Eckner concluded their hearts just shorted out, and perhaps it was overloaded by a very bad nightmare. So while genetics may be a factor, the environmental and psychological pressures can't be ignored. Dr. Donald Ward stated, aside from fatal emotional stress and extreme fatigue, converting to Christianity may have been a deadly error. Let's just pause a moment to take this in. The Hmong left China to preserve millenniums of their history and shamanistic beliefs. Now some of them were giving up their identities for Christianity to be accepted and survive. Now, while it may seem like I'm building a mountain out of an anthill, ancestor worship was part of Hmong life and identity, so survivors may have experienced guilt from rejecting their ancestors or failing to perform burial customs to loved ones who died when Hmong fought their war, were imprisoned in re-education camps, or died while en route to refugee camps. The importance of traditional cultural values was confirmed by Dr. Bruce Balatout, who studied 38 Hmong victims, half converted to Christianity, while the other practiced their tradition of shamanism, confirmed all experienced pressure from an inability to resolve religious issues. Experts went further, and articles explained the Hmong converting to Christianity may have experienced a nocebo effect, which is the opposite of a placebo. The nocebo is when someone expects something negative from taking or doing something. In this case, the Hmong believed they were doing wrong by failing to perform proper burial customs or turning their back on their belief, and likewise, their ancestors. It should be noted, part of their belief included the proper feeding of ancestors, or hungry ghosts, which we previously mentioned back in episode 27. Failing to feed hungry ghosts caused dishonor. Also, some believe hungry ghosts could feed off you. Aside from this, people suggested the Hmong were exposed to nerve gas during the war, but this theory was dropped 
since the only victims were men. Isolated cases of sons occurred decades earlier. In Japan during 1957, a sleeping Japanese man groaned, then died. A few years earlier, in 1955, of all places, my island Oahu in Honolulu, Dr. Niles P. Larson examined a Filipino who survived. The survivor stated he was approached by a little man who strangled him, but loved ones woke him. After surviving the war in Laos, slogging through the jungle and living in a horrible camp, his reward was living in the land of dreams among Americans who called him the enemy. He gave up trying to correct their ignorance because they'd pale, gripped their children closer, and started yelling for the police. His wife became an expert at de-escalating things while the chaos sent him back to the jungle with his dying brother who was gunned down by the enemy. Finding work was impossible. He dreaded returning home with bad news and hoped he'd avoid his neighbors. He and his family didn't understand why other minorities were threatening them, but he'd rather avoid encountering them, even though he killed better men in Laos. The neighbor's empty carport washed him with relief. His family welcomed him, but the deep facial lines of disappointment in his older family members shouted he was not providing for them. America was. America reduced him from a man to an open-mouthed bird waiting to be fed. This wasn't a living. This was waiting for death. He should have died in the war instead of his brother. At dinner, his brother's wife, the only surviving member of her family, mentioned the church she was going to. His mother scolded her for mentioning such things at the dinner table. She should be ashamed for even considering turning her back on their ancestors who sacrificed for them. While that side of the table argued, his wife took his hand. He knew she was thinking about the Hmong communities growing in the Midwest, but moving required money they didn't have, and if he couldn't find work in their big city, what opportunities would be there? Her mouth opened. He hated telling her no. You look tired, she said. Her words disarmed him. I'm fine, he said. The room silenced. The recent deaths, the news called the Oriental Death Syndrome, screamed in their minds. He continued eating, knowing he'd be fine if he avoided sleeping for too long. In bed, he set a half-hour alarm and closed his eyes. It rang. He jumped and stopped the household disruption. I just closed my eyes. How could a half hour have passed? He set another half hour alarm, placed his head on his pillow, and the buzzer sounded. He struggled setting the alarm and laid on his back. Something loomed in the doorway. He swore their door was closed, but the figure disjointedly approached. It was taller than his children, but shorter than his parents. Its face reminded him of a girl from his childhood. Guilt panged him for foolishly breaking her heart. Her hand slid across his chest. You've gotten so strong. Show me how strong you've become. She morphed to their minority neighbors, then Caucasian Americans who yelled at him, calling him the enemy. Then it became the soldiers he killed. He tried moving, but his body didn't respond. The intruder's hands clenched his neck. He screamed. Air flowed from his mouth, but no sound. The intruder's fingers dug into his throat. 
black specks filled his vision. He encountered this on the battlefield. He was passing out. The intruder smiled, then became his wife. He gasped and scurried from her. She reached for him. He batted her hand. The bedroom door opened. His family entered. Tears fell from his cheeks. More of you? They didn't move. His children's eyes watered. They cried. He was awake. He exhaled, apologized, and hugged his children. When they stopped sobbing, his parents put them to bed. His sister-in-law crossed herself, then left. His wife asked if he was all right. He went into her arms. She kissed his hair. I think, he said, we should join the others. They watched the sunrise for the first time in many years. The move was difficult, but they were used to struggling, and the Midwest community welcomed them like a warm blanket. He was wrong. There were more opportunities here, and quickly got a job he loved. He discovered other men had similar nightmares. They shared it privately, and the dreams stopped. Struggle and hardship made him a pessimist, but the community made him hopeful. His children lived their dreams. They graduated college, became experts in their careers with big families. Tough times occurred, but nothing compared to what they lived through, because they were survivors. A big mahalo nui loa to our Patreon members who support our mission to spread Asian and Pacific Islander cultural history and awareness. Will and Ollie Geis, Christopher, Meg, Jessica Bullock, Edward Pueohenki, Felisa H., The Makuli Guy, and of course, Ren Shepard. Your support keeps our show going. If you'd like to support our show, please click the link in our show notes and become a Legends from the Pacific Patreon member. To enjoy an exclusive monthly Hawaiian story, like the rare story of who the Hawaiian volcano god was before Pele, the return of the Hawaiian demigod brothers Kana and Nehui, a story of Kamapua'a on Oahu, and other nifty benefits. Your rewards are waiting for you, so sign up and join us as a Legends from the Pacific Patreon member today. In the late 80s, Many Hmong and Laos American refugees migrated to the Midwest, possibly to be closer to others and grow their community. Following this, the nocturnal deaths decreased, then stopped. Scholars speculated this could be from the Hmong adapting to America and finding community support. I feel the Hmong were also used to the Midwest's open spaces compared to concrete jungles. Then, of course... The early 80s deaths came to the attention of Wes Craven. He made the victims younger, added elements from his childhood, and created Freddy Krueger. As a kid, I wasn't really into horror movies since paranormal experiences and the unexplained were things I grew up with, but I still knew of Freddy. So I, like I'm sure you, had a couple nightmares of him. I was older when I first saw one of Freddy's later films, and surprisingly was cheering him on since the teenagers were annoying. The same thing happened when I saw Jason's films, but that's a story for another time. During my research, a couple things really struck me. First, how important folklorists are with helping people understand their cultures. Scholars pointed out, Hmong folklorists and translators during the 80s could have helped improve the Hmong situation by providing deeper insight and cultural understanding. It should be noted, while the Hmong have a thriving community, their moving and deaths from the Vietnam War to refugee migration caused them to lose elements of their culture, which may never be restored. 
I needed to take a moment after reading this because part of our show's mission is to provide a respectful record of folklore and cultural history before they're lost while spreading awareness. And while many of us take our established cultures for granted, we should remember those who struggled to accept who they are or may have forgotten things. Some of these individuals are you, our listeners, who emailed me your thanks for an episode that sparked a forgotten memory, a segment that helped reunite your family, or those of you who were bullied, mocked, and ashamed for who you are culturally. But our show kindled your cultural interest, and you are now proud of your heritage. Once again, thank you for these and all of your emails. You are our show's heroes. You are the ones that keep listening while helping grow and support our show. When I encounter episodes like this mammoth one that get me down because of all the required time and research, I turn to your emails, then get back to work. Today, the nocturnal deaths and sudden unexplained nocturnal death syndrome, or SUNS, is also called Brugada syndrome. Brugada syndrome can be identified in ECGs, but it is unknown what triggers it. High-risk patients are implanted with a cardioventer defibrillator, and drugs are prescribed for extreme cases. While the Hmong nightmare deaths peaked between 1981 and 1982, there are at least 117 confirmed victims, only one of which was a woman. While these numbers may seem low for government or CDC involvement, these were refugees with families who prevented more American casualties in Vietnam. And the cause of these deaths remain unknown. So, maybe it is Freddy. For the record, scholars are doing their best to correct the miscategorized 80s articles. But there's still a lot to do. Hmong cultural festivals are celebrated throughout America, with some of the larger communities being in Minnesota and Wisconsin. Community members love their celebrations because it forces them to make time to remember and respect their culture. It's also important to instill these values and traditions into the younger generation, who hopefully will carry on their heritage. So, what'd we learn? Personally, a lot. Because what started as researching nightmares took me to Freddy Krueger, then researching the Hmong and the Vietnam War. Like I said, this episode took a lot of time, but checks all the boxes as your Halloween, Veterans Day, and Thanksgiving special. While our episodes are like icebergs where you only hear a small portion, this episode was one heck of an iceberg, whose research will support future Hmong episodes. It's also interesting we encountered another culture forced into a new way of life, since our last episode about Kamapua'a included how the Hawaiians struggled living in their land ruled by Western values. But just think about what the Hmong and Laotian American refugees experience. I mean, these survivors were suffering from PTSD while still grieving for their loved ones. But their struggle isn't over. You see, the Hmong and Laotian American veterans who fought in the Vietnam War are not recognized as combat veterans since they were hired and trained by the CIA, meaning they don't qualify for military or veteran benefits, including those who were injured and disabled. In 2018, they received the right to be buried in national cemeteries. But, really, the remaining veterans should be granted military benefits, since many American Vietnam veterans acknowledged they would not be alive if it wasn't for the Hmong and Laotian American veterans. And I mean, come on, haven't they been through enough? So, as of this recording, 
Hmong and Laotian American veterans do not receive full military benefits, which I feel adds to the nightmare these heroes and their families continue to endure. During this time of giving thanks and being with loved ones, consider remembering the Hmong and Laotian Americans whose sacrifice helped America's Vietnam veterans make it home for the holidays. Please consider supporting our show by recommending it to friends and loved ones. Some of our academia friends offer our episodes as extra credit reports to their students, which honors me that our show is part of their curricula. But you may also support us by clicking our links in our show notes to purchase our book, merchandise, and our holiday board game recommendation, which is Star Wars Rebellion. In Star Wars Rebellion, players pick either the Rebels or Empire and encounter iconic moments of the Star Wars saga. This game is a lot of fun, but time-wise is on the longer side, which players may not feel since the game does a great job immersing you into the Star Wars universe. While this game is great, the expansion Rise of the Empire improves overall gameplay. But once again, the standard game is still tons of fun. So support our show by clicking the link in our show notes and purchasing Star Wars Rebellion and possibly its expansion, Rise of the Empire, today. Our theme song is Mystery by Tavana, courtesy of High Sessions. Sound effects by Sound Effects Factory. Our music coordinator is Matt Duffy, a.k.a. DJ Triple Bypass. Links and show notes can be found on our website, legendsfromthepacific.com, including a link to your featured song, which is Opihi Man by Ernie Cruz Jr., courtesy of High Sessions. Opihi are half-shell limpets. That's a Hawaiian delicacy. Because of this, it's common to have opihi as part of your holiday feasts. Opihi men were people who braved the treacherous shore break to collect and sell opihi. Needless to say, this is a high-risk occupation, since waves could slam you against rocks. Your featured Hawaiian word is moeheva. Moeheva means nightmare. An example of Moeheva is Freddy Krueger haunts residents in the Moeheva on Elm Street series. Once again, Moeheva is Hawaiian for nightmare. Thank you once again for listening and supporting our show. Mahalo and a hui ho!